This is Ingredient Insiders. I'm John Magazino. And I'm Andrea Parkins. Each week on Ingredient Insiders, we'll be speaking with celebrated chefs and food writers. We'll also be speaking with artisan food makers about their ingredients and what makes them special. This week, we'll be talking about Irish butter. Andrea, what do you think of when I say Irish butter? Yum. Do you ever meet people that don't like butter? I don't think I've ever met anyone who doesn't like butter. That are scared of it, like there's too much fat and calories in it, that kind of thing. Butter is just one of those things that you eat anyway. Yeah, butter is one of the important food groups to have in your diet. Yes. I don't trust anybody who does not like butter. No, me neither. Do you refrigerate your butter? That's a great question. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. So in my house, I've got butter that would be used to be spread on toast and things like that which I definitely keep in a cabinet Mm -hmm. at room temperature so it's nice and soft when it comes out of there. I love that. Mm -hmm. There's nothing worse than hard butter butter when you need soft butter. That's like a tell for me when I go to a restaurant and they have like this beautiful warm bread basket and then on the table next to it is cold butter. I get really mad, like really angry. But I do keep cold butter as well because some things, if you're making a risotto, you need to add cold butter to that risotto at the end Mm-hmm. So that it emulsifies. Or like pie put, dough. Pi, exactly. Good example. The spreadable butters, for me, and I know you love this product as well, the Vermont cultured butter. Oh my God, I love Vermont butter. It is divine. But I'm also now, after a couple of recent trips to Ireland, I am a devotee. Is that the right word? Devotee? 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 I, let's just say that I love Irish butter. It's grass-fed. It's got this beautiful gold color. Yeah. And it's just delicious. Yeah, I'm really excited. I know uh, we're going to be talking to Coleman Andrews. Yep, founder, one of the creators of Savoir Magazine. Great author, acclaimed books, some of them which I really, in my library, they're prized possessions of mine. It really all begins with the grass, the grass-fed butter, uh, which is almost all of the uh, butter produced in Ireland. Yeah, and he wanted to talk about Irish butter, but specifically Kerrygold Irish butter. So we'll be speaking with Gene Kelly from Kerrygold. As someone described it to me, Kerrygold tastes just as how you would imagine butter should taste. Doesn't have that fatty or greasy taste. It's just that creaminess. Unless you're living under a rock lately, you've seen Kerrygold butter in the supermarket and uh, in the silver or gold shiny package. That's right. One salted, one's unsalted. Yeah. Can't wait. Awesome episode coming up. This episode is in partnership with The Chef's Warehouse and produced by Hey Now Media. In the studio is an icon of food journalism. A true legend. Yeah, he's a, there's a Hall of Famer. That's yeah. all I can say. <laughs> um, we're so lucky to have Coleman Andrews here today who is a multiple James Beard Award winner. He actually won eight James Beard Awards. That's more James Beard Awards than Derek Jeter has World Series rings. He's written... point that out. It's more than James Beard has. (laughs) (laughs) He's written over 3,000 food articles. Amazing. He's a founder of Savoir Magazine, which was very important to me growing up in the food business. Absolutely. My mom used to send them to me when I was in culinary school. I don't mean growing up in the food business. No, but like in your food. But in my food world business. Mm -hmm. Your food upbringing, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
Well, thank you for being here today. Yeah, we're so excited. My pleasure. You know, it's interesting. I got connected to Coleman via Mike Saltis. Mm -hmm. Doug Saltis's brother, Mm -hmm. who is a literary agent. Right, my agent. And works with Coleman. We got connected to talk about Ireland because Coleman wrote a brilliant book about the foods of Ireland. I was headed to Ireland for a trip and we just got connected that way. And I said, you know what? We got to have you on the show. And when we asked, you know, I talked about what the ingredient was. The first thing Coleman said was... Irish butter. Yeah. Mm. And I'll tell you, when I went to Ireland, I learned all about (laughs) Irish butter from the moment I landed. Mm. It's so good. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's creamy. The Irish are very into, I don't want to say anything, you know, without Coleman's approval here, but soda bread and brown bread. Mm -hmm. And whenever you sit down to a meal, it's kind of on the table with this beautiful butter. Yeah, I should say, though, that soda bread in Ireland isn't what soda bread is here. If you go to, to a store, even even made by Irish uh, bakers here, soda bread always has currants or raisins or something in it. And that's more like what the Irish would call bambrach, which is a, a tea bread. Soda bread just means it's it's bread that is, instead of being risen with uh, yeast, it's risen with the interaction between buttermilk and uh, baking soda. You typically get this beautiful, dense, dark brown, slightly sticky, slightly sweet bread, and you slap that butter on it and there's really not much better. (laughs) Yeah. But what makes it so different than the butter in the States? A major factor is, and this is not just with butter, but with dairy products in general in Ireland, cheeses and and milk and cream, and also with the meat of uh, cattle and and lambs, is the grass. Ireland is a warmer country than you think it is. I mean, it it does rain a lot, uh, which is actually good for the grass. The Gulf Stream kind of uh, gives it kind of an almost temperate climate. Grass just flourishes there. I'm sure the mineral content of the soil has something to do with it too. I don't know. But grass uh, grows abundantly and it's very, very rich in, in nutrients. There's a, a great story someone told me of an old Irish farmer leaning on his fence, you know, looking at his field. He looks at it, he shakes his head and he says, uh, that grass would fatten a bicycle. <laughs> it really all begins with the grass. The grass-fed butter, uh, which is almost all of the uh, butter produced in Ireland, although uh, Kerrygold, which is the famous brand that you can now find everywhere and get it at Walmart, you know, and, uh, which is great. I think it's only 85% grass-fed, they say, because they feed the, the cow's silage in the, in the middle of the winter. But it still it gets the advantage of, of all of that, uh, that richness and that, that flavor. It's something that I hadn't realized uh, until fairly recently about Uh, that particular brand of butter is, and I don't know what other producers do, but salted butter is sweet cream butter, but the unsalted is cultured butter. Interesting. Meaning it's made from fermented, uh, fermented cream. I found that like super interesting just because we also sell the Vermont cultured butter, which is heavily salted. I would kind of say only use it for bread. Mm -hmm. So to have an unsalted cultured, my thought would be like, would it make pastry more tender, like the acid from the culture? I don't know the chemistry of it, but uh, the flavor is is noticeably different, not not just because of the salt. So of course I use unsalted butter and then cover it with salt. I found myself smearing, smearing mm-hmm. butter very generously. Every, mm-hmm. just, oh, yeah. Just for the sake of eating the butter. Yeah, it's got exactly. this beautiful golden hue to it, like a rich yellow color, yeah. creamy beyond belief. So delicious. Yeah, there, there are some, there's other brands uh, in Ireland, of course. What used to be called the Irish Dairy Board, it's now called Ornua, which means uh, new gold. That's their brand. Kerrygold is, is the brand that they promote. And obviously it comes from farms all over Ireland. But one time uh, a friend of mine there took me to a small farm where a woman was making butter by hand with an old fashioned wooden churn. And then she had these wooden paddles and she'd slap it into a, into a block like that. And uh, 
she made, uh, I think she made 40 blocks a day or something wow. only in the season. And I actually tried to bring some home once I, I figured I'd, I'd pack a little cooler and, you know, get some, uh, some ice and some stuff and it, it didn't make it. But, oh no. Uh, Confiscated? Uh, no, it, uh, it just melted, it melted, in, in, melted into mush. Yeah. Mm. Let's take a step back. How did you start writing about the foods of Ireland and when did you write that book on, on Ireland? It was uh, published in 2010. Speaking of James Beard Awards, it actually, just to put in a little plug, it won the Best International Cookbook and also Cookbook of the Year from James Beard that year. I had never been to Ireland. I'd traveled a lot in Europe, and I'd been to Scotland and England and so forth, and for some reason never, never got to Ireland. And then sometime in the early 2000s, I got invited by the Board Bia, which is the Irish Food Board, to an event they were doing in Kinsale, went over there and it was a conference where they had uh, everything from, you know, tasting booths to government ministers talking about agricultural policy and everything else. And I think during the, uh, one of the agricultural ministers uh, talking about agricultural policy got a little bored. So it, it was being held in a hotel and I, I went off to the hotel bar and they had a, a closed circuit TV so I could see what was going on on stage. And I started talking to a, a guy named, uh, I've forgotten his first name, a Caviston, who has a famous seafood restaurant. And we decided it'd be a good idea to empty that bottle of Jameson, you know, so we're sitting there uh, working on it. And suddenly on the screen, there's this young man with kind of unruly hair. And he's talking with, with real passion. And it kind of woke me up about how wonderful Irish food is and, and how he remembers being a boy in the fields and drinking the buttermilk right from the cow and uh, or the, uh, the milk right from the cow. And at one point, he said something which has been widely quoted since where he said, if we invite visitors to Ireland and feed them food from a German-owned supermarket, it ought to be considered an act of treason. And I said, this guy is kind of interesting. So uh, I made it a point to meet him. And uh, he said, well, you should, you should come visit me. And he was a, a guy called Peter Ward, who has a small grocery store in a town uh, called Nina in uh, Tipperary. We made arrangements to come back on another trip, myself and the photographer, Christopher Hersheimer, and, and she and I traveled a lot uh, subsequently in Ireland, but this was our first trip. We went and spent some time with him and uh, did a story about him, and his, uh, he was very connected with uh, everybody in the food business. Um, I, I don't know if you know Daryl Corti in Sacramento, but they're parallel in a way in that they're both they're, uh, grocers, Yep. They'll both call themselves grocers, but they're both connected with everything. So we did this story. We kept hearing about interesting things and eating interesting food. And we got back to the States and we talked to uh, Dorothy Kalins, the uh, editor-in-chief at that point of Severa, and said, you know, there's there's more than just this one story there. We should go back. And we ended up doing a whole issue on Ireland and spent, uh, you know, weeks going north to south and up into north, northern yeah. Ireland and, and all around. And I looked at that at one point and I said, you know what, there's a book in here. <laughs> and luckily, uh, Bill LeBlanc, who was then the, the quite well-known cookbook editor at Chronicle Books, now retired. He signed me up to do two, they had a series called The Country Cooking of dot, dot, dot. First one was Anne Will and did France, and they wanted to do more. So they signed me to do The Country Cooking of Italy and The Country Cooking of Ireland, the same contract, but they wanted Ireland first. And, you know, I'd tell people I was doing these two books, and they'd say, what, how are you going to write a whole book about Irish food? Right. And I said, you know, it's supposed to be 125 recipes. And I said, are there 125 recipes in Ireland? And, you know, what is it like soda bread and smoked salmon and what right. else, you know, and lots of potatoes. I ended up going back, spending, uh, you know, making a number of trips and really getting to know uh, farmers and restaurateurs and chefs and some distillers. Just about everybody ended up writing this book. So that's It's so great. When people 
think about the great food countries of the world. They think mm -hmm. about France and Italy and Spain. And, mm -hmm. But Ireland, and I saw this immediately when I got there, it is so rich in the natural resources, the, the raw materials and the ingredients. Absolutely. You know, we're talking about butter. They've got this incredible butter, which is obviously consumed, not, you know, in the country, but it's also a big export mm -hmm. for them now. Mm -hmm. But they've got seafood that is incredible. Oysters, there is lobster, there is salmon, as Coleman mentioned. I think a lot of that is ending up in France and in a lot of other parts of the world, including the United States. But why do you think it doesn't get the same accolades as, you know, other places? Because since you've gotten back from your trip, you can't really stop talking about it. How good the food was, the potatoes. There's just something about, you know, Coma mentioned the climate earlier. This is, it is the greenest place I've ever been on right. earth. But it also, there are palm trees on every part of the country from the north to the south, which I was surprised to see. I didn't know that. Yeah. There's tropical vegetation on this island in the middle of the, <laughs> wow. you know, the North Atlantic. Whatever it is about the waters being super clean. And I had a lot of Irish people telling me that we actually took a quick swim in the North Atlantic, which was not as cold. It was cold just outside of Port Stewart on the, the North Coast. Mm -hmm. And there was a great sense of pride amongst the Irish about how their resources, how great they are. When you find a restaurant that is using those ingredients, it's hard to say that there's a better mm -hmm. oyster or a better fish and chip on the planet and the potatoes are spectacular there. You know how in this country, depending on the season, you pull up to a gas station and there might be charcoal briquettes stacked outside or, or firewood stacked outside or something. And in Ireland, it's big sacks, 25 pound sacks of potatoes stacked yep. outside, you know, just stop and get, you know, fill up your tank and get some, some potatoes. Another thing there is that every small town has at least one, if not more uh, butcher shop. Many, many of those butchers make all their own, they cure their own bacon and they make their own sausages and they, they they do all this stuff themselves. So a lot of them own uh, a small farm. And so they, you know, the meat actually, uh, the animals are raised on their farm. And I, I said in, in my book, and this is something it took me a while to, to realize, but if you go travel around Ireland, anybody you talk to, any Irish person you talk to, doesn't matter if it's a shop clerk or a waiter or a politician or anything else, they have some connection with a farm. They grew up on a farm. They spent summers on, a, on their uncle's farm. Their uh, aunt has uh, pigs in the backyard. Uh, there's chickens. Yes, yeah, something. Yeah. There's some connection with the land. I always make a part of my trips to, because of my life in the food business mm. to visit markets, specialty food mm. stores whenever possible, even if there's a wholesale market. The meat section of the stores are beautifully curated. Mm -hmm. A lot. They're very proud of the Irish beef as well. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the th questions I did want to ask too is, mm -hmm. you know, getting back to the butter, yeah. is butter the base fat for Irish cooking? I know, you know, if you go to Italy and you go in the South, it's olive oil. Mm -hmm. You go to the Northern Italy, maybe start to turn to butter. Yeah. Um, Southern France, again, you're talking about olive oil. What is the fat absolutely, of Ireland? Absolutely. Is it butter? butter absolutely. Yeah. So they're yeah. cooking like the their meat of in their cuisine. Yeah. butter? Yeah. I mean, of course, today, like like anywhere in the world, there, there's a lot of Mediterranean influence and there's, you know, you buy olive oil. They don't make olive oil in Ireland. Yeah. They don't grow olive trees. Although there is a guy up near the airport, uh, in Dublin airport, who is growing wine grapes, you know, with climate change. Maybe they'll be olive groves before sure. long. But yeah. uh, so far, no, butter is really is really what they use. To some extent, some lard, some, uh, some pig fat, because yeah. they have such a big love for pork. There. I think uh, with butter, besides the obvious uses, for instance, uh, I like to take some soy sauce, butter, and lemon or lime juice and boil it down a little bit until it gets really thick and then 
coated on salmon or some other fish. You can actually, there's a process, uh, it's a little more painstaking, that uh, Barry Wine, the great chef of the Quilted Giraffe uh, back in the old days, had a way of caramelizing the soy with butter. I don't go that far. It's just it's too much trouble for me because I'm not a <laughs> professional. But another thing I, I like to do is there's this uh, technique that the French use when you're cooking vegetables, it's hard to give proportions because it depends on the vegetable, but green beans or peas or something, or carrots in a pan with a lot of butter and enough water to barely cover them and turn up the heat really high. And by the time the water boils off, the vegetables are cooked and they're nicely coated in butter. And they're I glazed. Yeah. I love that. They're, they're glazed. Um, you know, I, I always like to mention, though, when I'm talking about Irish butter is, you know, who was a big fan of Irish butter and who used it almost exclusively it was Marcella Hazan. Wow. So that tells you something about it. You have an Italian chef mm -hmm. using uh, that instead of Parmigiano butter or something like that. And she was also, you know, very uh, particular and very demanding. So that was uh, one of the best things I've ever heard about Irish butter. I don't know when I first saw Kerrygold in the supermarket. That is the really the only Irish butter that we see in the States, I think. Yeah. But it is certainly getting more and more prominent placement in the supermarkets. Exactly. And I think Americans are recognizing that quality. What people don't realize, they're always surprised when I, when I say this, is that butter is lower in calories than olive oil. I mean, there's about a tablespoon of butter is a little over 100 calories and olive oil is almost 120 calories. So, um, and, and, it, and butter has nutrients. Like uh, mm -hmm. one of the hardest vitamins to get from food is vitamin D and butter is a good source of vitamin D. Also has vitamin A and some other some other nutrients. So it's not just like uh, some completely evil uh, substance that you know you should avoid at all costs. Also has like omega threes in omega -3s, it. Omega threes, yeah. Like versus you know your standard. Yeah, it's just butter. so damn delicious. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, just exactly. all eat butter. <laughs> yeah, sure, exactly. Yeah, when well, we asked Coleman what ingredient he wanted to speak to, the first thing he said was Irish butter. Mm -hmm. yeah. He said, but I also love to talk about anchovies. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And anchovies no, I, and butter happen to go together. I was going to say, I love a good really anchovy love. butter. I absolutely, absolutely do. I spread anchovy paste on toast. I eat a lot of anchovies. <laughs> I love like anchovies. anchovies. We love anchovies. We love anchovies on, uh, on this podcast, so yeah, we yeah. always ask our guests how oh, they yeah. feel about anchovies because yeah. we feel like you either love them or hate them. We have a lot of young chefs who listen to the program and we have a lot of you know people in the food industry if you don't have Coleman Andrews books in your library, you are missing out on really the foundation of a lot of food from around the world. I brought my copy. I'm a geek. I brought my one. Of, you know, this is like a standard in my mm -hmm. my home library. Flavors of the Riviera. It's not just recipes. It's stories about the history of the food and where things come from. And for me, it's very influential. There's also the book Catalan Cuisine about the foods of Spain. We talked about the book on Ireland. But right now you're writing for 24-7 Wall Street? Yeah, I actually have basically three jobs right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm working, I'm, I'm ghostwriting a book for a chef. Probably shouldn't mention uh, specifics. I'm a senior editor for this site called 24-7 Wall Street, where I'm mainly doing editorial work and not too much about food. And then I'm also doing some uh, some miscellaneous work for Resi, the uh, Oh, nice. Reservation service, uh, now owned by American Express. The you know, odds and ends that they need done. Then in my spare time, I'm uh, working on my own projects. You know, so, awesome. Yeah. Well, it has been such a pleasure yeah. talking to you. Yeah, well, thank a wealth you of knowledge. Me. you got to come back. I'd love to. Um, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks. Thank thanks. you so much. Really my amazing. Thanks. My pleasure. This episode is sponsored by Kerrygold Butter. We are on the line 
with Gene Kelly, who's the head of communications at Kerrygold Butter. Hi, guys. Delighted to be here. So tell us about Kerrygold, a little bit about the history. You're in Dublin. Where's Kerrygold made? Kerrygold itself is made down in Cork, in Kerrygold Park. That's where we have our Kerrygold factory. We're a cooperative, so we represent 14,000 dairy farmers across the country. And I think that cooperative ethos really is at the heart of how we do business. It's all about creating shared value for the farmers that we represent, our staff, and of course, our customers and our uh, consumers around the world. Kerrygold really is the Irish dairy farmers butter brand. Back in nearly 60 years, we were looking at how could we package what we believed was the best butter in the world and bring it to consumers around the world. And that was the vision for Kerrygold. Um, and at the time, it's funny, they had a few names that were knocking around, the likes of Leprechaun, Shannon Gold, Buttercup, but they landed on Kerrygold, which I believe is very, very fitting. And since then, I think Kerrygold has just grown from strength to strength in the many countries that it's available in. We're at a company that sells the greatest chefs in North America, whether they're in the United States or Canada. Um, and butter is really one of our foundational products that we sell. And I think a lot of chefs are starting to ask for Kerrygold by name now. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. love to hear that. And I have to say, you know, for the home consumer, when you go into a supermarket today, maybe I would say five years ago, you would have to be at a specialty store to see Kerrygold or perhaps something that was a little bit, you know, certain whole foods. I feel like everywhere I go now, I see the Kerrygold butter. You almost like look for the foil. It's either the gold or the silver, salted or unsalted packaging. Yeah. And it, it's become a staple here for sure. Kerrygold's been in the US many years. We actually, we started with cheese back in the late 80s, early 90s and on the East Coast. And that was very successful. So it gave the confidence to try butter. So would you believe, and just to give you a sense of scale, we only arrived with a pallet of butter in 1999. So a little old pallet wow. of butter. And um, today um, we're looking at probably around 2 million packets a week. It's reached the incredible um, status of being the number two butter brand in the US, something that you can appreciate Irish dairy farmers are incredibly proud of. Part of my role is keeping farmers updated on the work that we're doing on their behalf. So uh, they take great pride when they hear of people going into the supermarket and seeing the product that they've effectively helped produce um, beyond the shelves in um, so many different supermarkets across the US. What do you credit the success to? The taste. The beginning of Kerrygold journey, the butter story in the US, huge emphasis was put on tastings. When we were um, establishing our business over there, we had a lot of young Irish people that would move over to the US um, and, and I suppose take on that role of kind of proudly flying the flag for Irish dairy and would spend a huge amount of time in supermarkets and we'd invite consumers to taste. So when you see that gorgeous gold colour of uh, the rich creamy butter and then you taste it, our work was done then. So um, it definitely all comes down to the taste. And why does it taste like that? That was all down to the um, the grass fed milk you know the differences between conventional butter that you see in the store versus Kerrygold I think the color is obviously the most uh you know differentiating it's so yellow it's so beautiful what other differences are there any health benefits to Irish butter versus conventional butter yeah and what's the fat content is it a, mm -hmm. is it a higher fat content is it a different type of fat content it's a minimum of fat content of 80 percent 
and then our salted would be 82%. Definitely the difference, as you said, is the colour. Rich, creamy, grass-fed milk, butter, that's very flavoursome. You can definitely see it in the texture and when you taste it and the creaminess. In terms of the health benefits, milk in itself is naturally enriched and butter is a source of vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K, And also studies have shown that it's relatively high in CLAs and omega-3 and 6. So there is all those health benefits that come with it. As someone described it to me, um, Kerrygold tastes just as how you would imagine butter should taste. It doesn't have that fatty or greasy taste. It's just that creaminess. That Moorish taste. <laughs> so, when, so as you described at the beginning, when you're putting the Kerrygold butter on your bread, you're like, oh, maybe I'll have another slice after that. I feel like I, I don't even want to bake with it. I want it just to be in its like raw state with the, you know, smearing it on bread, a little bit of sea salt on top. And that's like the perfect way table, to eat it. Table butter. Table butter. Exactly. So great. Yeah, definitely. During the pandemic, we saw a huge uprise in uh, increasing people in, in using Kerrygold butter because they were really embracing baking and cooking because they were at home so much. But definitely you'll have people who use it throughout the day in terms of spreading and then in terms of their cooking as well. My husband's French and French are very passionate about their butter as well. Fierce debates here at home. But I think I have him swayed now after he's been living in Ireland for a few years that Irish butter is best. But like he uses butter in all his cooking. So like Plugra um, versus Kerrygold? Or Lascure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else are Irish people? Are they using it to, you know, baking their scones? Just the simplicity of just putting on um, brown bread with some smoked salmon is a very popular dish. But no, like there's nothing better than butter on brown bread with a bowl of soup. Butter is always on the table. Huge debate whether how long you t- leave the butter out. You've got people who leave it out all night, the people who will take it out in the morning time. But it's definitely used on all types of sandwiches. Um, and then when it comes to baking. Are you a hard butter or a warm butter person? I'm a warm butter person. Yeah. You, you need more time. So I'm definitely softer butter for sandwiches. Um, but when it comes now to hot toast, I would like butter that's a little bit chilled. Yes. You can like watch it so melt. Our, our, our brown bread that's just come out of the oven. You, I, know, you, you, you just know, want to give it a little bit of time to melt. What's on the horizon for Kerrygold? What are you guys working on in your test kitchens? Any like butter trends? I really hope that the one where people put it in their coffee is over. But... Oh, the, the, the butterproof coffee, yeah. which is a bit of a craze. Yeah, that's like a keto diet yeah, right. thing, right? Paleo yeah. diet, Paleo, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely what we're seeing, is, as I kind of mentioned there earlier on, around the pandemic and this whole area of self-care and baking and cooking being part of that, people taking more time to cook and bake and or make the perfect sandwich which um, they may, mightn't have maybe put as much emphasis on in the past. And also maybe kind of elevating those kind of little moments at home where you'll get the nice cheese, you'll get the nice butter to make that particular sandwich. Clearly, uh, butter has a key role there. Yeah, we saw that trend for sure when we made the pivot during the pandemic to start doing some home delivery, because traditionally the chef's warehouse is really just delivering to the, you know the best restaurants in America, the Michelin-starred restaurants the white tablecloth restaurants and the luxury hotels. We got into the home delivery business for a while, and it was incredible to see how many people were baking breads. People were buying 50-pound bags of flour for home use. Yeah. Well, Jean, we have had the best time talking to you today. If you haven't tried Kerrygold butter, please go to your grocery store. It's the shiny gold and silver packaging, uh, amazing color, amazing taste, and an amazing partner of the Chef's Warehouse. Yeah, and if you're a chef, you know, in your restaurant, you should be serving this butter. 
Uh, the Chef's Warehouse distributes it across the country. Um, it's got a devout following. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Like what you hear, write us a review and subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Ingredient Insiders or Twitter at Where Chefs Talk. All the products we talked about on this episode can be purchased at chefswarehouse.com.